0: So I hope that uh, Susan and Joseph now are not getting their ears blown off because (laughs) they were... um, But that's a whole other thing. Uh, um, What a fantastic time that we can meet and uh, worship together. Um, We can pray for one another, sing songs to one another. We can testify uh, to the goodness of God and who God is uh, even... Virtually, when we can't meet together, um, but let's get to today's text. So you can take your Bible and um, and um, I'll change the slide and um, and go to Acts uh, thirteen. And so I titled this today. Uh, Saul and Barnabas are set apart from the work, and maybe an undertitle is, are you a son of the devil, or are you listening to the Holy Spirit? And that will be evident as we go through the the reading. Um, So, uh, last week we had what what, uh, also Vlad talked about, the contrast between humility and... um, um, pride, and we saw how pride was what caused the fall um i actually don 't have it on a slide, but today we 'll start the reading in in um twelve twenty five because I stopped it last time uh so forgive me for that i don 't have that on the first slide um, Are you missing with my clicker? Oh, there, so we had some maps and stuff of where things are happening. Uh, So you can see this is the journey that they're going to take. And so this is assumed inversion. So they're going to be sent out of Antioch and then go to Cyprus um, and then go through the island of Cyprus. And then... If I can have my next slides. All right, so let's read together. Uh, I'm going to read uh, one verse because I skipped it last time. uh, Because it talks about Barnabas and Saul. And Barnabas and Saul, after all those things happened, like last time, they returned from Jerusalem, and we had, they had completed the service that was bringing the um, um, bringing the offerings back to um, to the poor. Uh, they um, they had John Mark with them, or bringing with them who, uh, John, who saw a name was Mark. So let us read on. Now there was in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manon, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Cilicia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Patmos, they Came upon a certain magician, a Jewish uh, false, um, false prophet named bar Jesus. He was with the pro- proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Iliamus the magician, for that's the meaning of his name, opposed him, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and able to see the sun for a time. Immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking the people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he had saw what occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. So you maybe just uh, just want to keep it open to this passage uh, as we go through it's good to have it there. Um I'm going to just put uh, this uh, slide up again of Herod. <laughs> okay. But uh the first part is um Luke's going to talk about the teachers and the prophets that they have at Antioch. Um, Just remember, Antioch is at this point in time the third largest city in the Roman Empire. It's a huge place. Um, We heard last time about how um, Paul and Barnabas uh, had encouraged the church. The church was growing. And here we hear about uh, preachers and teachers. So we have... um, We take them... Can I have my slide now? (laughs) All right, so just to explain just a, a little bit. So we have uh, the preachers and teachers there at Antioch. So it's, um, we have Barnabas, and he has, a, he has a different background. Where's my slide? Where's that slide? Okay, so this slide at home, I hope you can see it. Maybe on your phone it's like really difficult, but if you are on your big screen, you can see it. Uh, these arrows point to where the people are from. So the teachers and preachers are a really, really diverse group of people. Uh, Simeon, whose name is Niger, we don't know anything about him, but his name, his nickname means black, so could he be been from Africa? We don't know. Uh, Lucius is from Cyrene, that's in North Africa. Uh, Saul is from Tarshish, that's in modern-day Turkey. Uh, Barnabas, he is from Cyprus. And Mananea, he has probably grown up in Rome, because it says, as we go back to this slide, Herod. And so, I know there's a lot of Herods in the Bible, and so it can get confusing. So uh, so last week there was that Herod there on this charge that was called Agrippa. Um, uh, no, let me see. Well, that one where you can see, it's too small for me to see. Uh, but this week it's the, the, the who the Herod they're talking about is this one. Um, so there's a different thing. So, so uh, Manian, he grew up with him probably in Rome. Um, and so you have this... They're from many different backgrounds, both economically and socially and also geographically. They're from a big part of the known world. So God is saving everyone from many different places, poor, rich, uh, from the big cities, from rural areas. Um, And that's kind of where we find them. So the church at Antioch is blessed to have a great team of these people. Um, They come from all these places. And at a time where they are um, serving, worshiping, and fasting, the Holy Spirit reminds the uh, uh, the church that he has a mission for Barnabas and Paul that they are actually set apart to be sent out of the church uh, to preach the good news around and so they they are they had recently been or they had first been sent out from Jerusalem. To actually go to Antioch to cultivate and to to start, excuse me, <coughs> to start the church there. And now, as that was going, and it seems like they have a good team there, who has been reminds them then, well, the call on Paul's life and on Barnabas' life is to be sent out and tell more people about Jesus. This is something we have to do at our church. Uh, you can say it's a blessing and maybe a curse. Like We don't have a choice. Most of the time people come here for a little while or for a longer while, but they're called on. Um, they called on to see where God has to set them for next. So looking at the model here of the people in, in Antioch is, well, they listen to the Holy Spirit and they do it. But they are sending out two of the best team members, two of the best teachers, preachers. So it, 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 it maybe for us it asks the question, how loosely do we hold people? Not that we don't like them or love them, but, but we actually love them that much that we're willing to set them free and say, you know what we really want for you is to hear what the spirit says to you, and that you walk in that, of course, that doesn't mean in our case that we're not sad or or, or yeah sad to have people go um, but as a, as a, as Paul said to the Corinthians, enlarge in your heart, um there's more room to love more people, so when the next people come in, we, we can love them as well. Uh, Powerful is that we've seen different testimonies for people we haven't heard from in a while maybe. And what a blessing it is to see people sent out, uh, to hear people are leading groups, to hear people are leading worship, different things that they're doing what God has called them to do. Uh, That is a huge, huge blessing. So are we more about not wanting to let go of people or do we want to encourage people? Of course they can stay if that's what the Lord says, then we encourage them to that da- to do that, or we encourage them, them to go when that is what they are called to do. <clears throat> uh, then there's just a few I had a I just did a very small like um overview of fasting and I really found some cool things about fasting uh in the in the, in the Bible, because I was actually just a little bit surprised um, uh, about some of the things, so just a short thing on fasting like in in Egypt and in the Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia and then around the the surrounding surrounding area, fasting was mostly used to show that something sad had happened, like maybe you had lost a war, you had somebody had died it was a it was a sign of mourning, um, and very outward sign, um, which is very interesting. And then then we can go to the Old Testament and look in the law. And this was one thing that surprised me, because apparently I don't know the 330 laws uh, by heart, but it was actually only one mention about fasting in the whole Torah. And that's around uh, the Day of Atonement. Where it talks about, and if you're wanting to study more Leviticus, 16 and uh, 29 to 31 and 23, 26 to 30, and numbers, um, but just look at like that. The interesting note is that the word that's translated there as fasting is to deny oneself. And so the commentators open up for okay, so you're denying yourself food, but it could also also be, uh, be uh, sex or alcohol. Like there could be a lot of things that you deny yourself from. But what I found very interesting is that that is actually what Jesus today calls us to do every day—to deny ourselves and take up His cross and follow Him. So I just I just found those parallels like so powerful that it's. When we fast, it's about denying something so we can focus on something else. Um, when we go to the New Testament, we read that Jesus fasted. He fasts before his ministry starts. He, he fasts before the temptation in the desert by, uh, by the devil. We encounter the Pharisees that fast, and some of them, they fast once or three times a week and we encounter John's disciple that are also fasting both those groups have questions about why don't the disciples fast the ones with Jesus and and it's very interesting it's very interesting in the sermon on the mount when when Jesus talks and corrects what fasting is and he says don't go around looking gloomy and sad here he goes. He goes into the culture and says, "Like, no, you're not supposed to be like the surrounding countries. It, you're, when you're fasting, it's not about you looking bad. No, anoint yourself because your fasting is between you and God. It's a, it's, 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 it's your, your relationship with God. It's not for everybody else to see." So to, he really corrects what fasting is about. It's not like, look at me, I'm over-religious. Like, I'm fasting three times a week, so I look, like, terrible. No. It's about your relationship with God. Seeking him first before some of those things. And then, then, then back to the where I was going before, that they ask Jesus, why don't Jesus' disciples fast? And so he, he comes with this good analogy, and, and it's so interesting because, well, it there makes no sense for them in the fast. Because what, fee- what people fast for, rightly, is they want to be closer and closer to God. But they have the very one among them. It makes no sense to fast. He is as close as possible. So then he says, like, there's no, they, they, he uses the illustration of, like, you don't, you can't fast when the bridegroom is still there. But he says to them, you will be fasting later. And that's what we see in Acts, that fasting becomes, comes back in. So what I think, I can't remember exactly, maybe John Piper says, like, fasting is not primarily giving something up, it's giving something up for pursuing something better. So if we're giving up food, uh, it's to feel that hunger so that we will be drawn to God and drawn near to Him. That's what we're looking for. Or today, there's fasting for many other things, like things that consume your time. Blot those things out to spend that time to see God. Most of the time in the Bible, they don't have Netflix and all sorts of other things. So, so it is food, and it's a physical thing. So physically you feel that you are hungry. So that is not to say, I want food. It should be, oh, I'm doing this because I want, excuse me, because I want to draw nearer to God. So just back to what the word there, to deny oneself Again, I just think it echoes Jesus in Luke nine, saying, "Deny yourself daily, take up my cross, and follow me." So there is probably a sense of deny yourself so you can follow me. Um, thing practically, uh, practically about fasting. I know some people in our church uh, uh, practice this and has very had very good experiences with it. I would uh, you can research more in books but it, but it is uh, <laughs> I have experienced myself it takes some practice uh, most people shouldn't just like um, uh, especially try 40 days or anything or maybe try skipping one meal maybe half a day or something uh, and be aware that there are some side effects and different things but take it easy and say it's really not about the f- even like okay I, mean, I just didn't do that but it's easing yourself in to pursuing God in that way, um, I've had some some uh, failed experiences with it, uh, but uh, also uh, okay ones. So, want to know more about fasting? You're welcome to talk to me or Lee. Also, know he's done it sometimes, and I know Susan and Joseph also have done that. So, I did probably give you some good advice. Like, of course, nursing people and other people with also sorts of things, you have to know how your body functions. So back to the text. So the the church confirms by praying and fasting, and they lay their hands on them and send them out. Um, and so uh, it's been a while. So I'll say it again. Uh, this is what we want for you guys. Like we never want you just to slide out the back door. We. Like uh, in the beginning, it's like are we holding people tight or loosely. The last person, I think, we were able to pray for was Isiakas. We sent him out. We sent him out. We weren't allowed to touch people at that time time. But when there's no corona, we will lay hands on you, and we will pray for you and bless you and send you out. That's, that's our hope and 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 the things we want to send, send people out with a blessing to go to the next place. So they do that here. Send them out and commission them out. And then they choose to sail to cyprus and and you maybe you remember that uh Barnabas, uh Barnabas he grew up in Cyprus, so he knows the place um, and so they go there and John Macar also which later we hear is is his cousin somehow uh he also knows the island, so maybe that's a natural place to go it's It's not that far away Cilicia uh, is uh is uh um, is the harbor they would have sailed from. So they sail from there and then they go to the eastern part um and then they they go to the eastern part and it says like that's a big city, and it's also close there too and there's many synagogues, so there's actually a lot of Jews and there's many synagogues, so it's actually a big uh a big place for jews there they They adopt this uh place that <clears throat> we've seen before they go speak to the Jews first and share about who Jesus is, and then they go through the whole island uh that way. Somebody says it's like a uh, hundred miles, so good for a race or something but they they um they go through the whole whole um whole island and share um and then, <laughs> then I had this little uh I have this a note to remember last time we had this discussion about like um what is God allowed to do, and so sometimes maybe people can be uncomfortable with God what he can do because at this point in time. God's going to make another man blind. Um, so maybe you're comfortable with that, you're uncomfortable with that, we have to go and talk about that. Because <clears throat> what happens? Uh, the, a Jewish false uh, prophet called by Jesus, uh, Elimaeus, and the, okay, so the, just an explanation. Here. The reason why people have bunches bunch of names is we're in a dual culture. Uh, actually, maybe a triple culture. Like we have Latin, Greek, and Hebrew. So a lot of the people can have more names. So you have John Mark, and just in just a little bit, we're gonna have Saul Paul, and those are because they are, they're they depends on if it's their Greek name or their Hebrew names. So we'll continue that. So so we have this guy uh, um, by Jesus, also called the Wise, called the Strong, um, or the Magician, and he's trying he's trying to make sure that that uh, this proconsul, he doesn't hear the good news of the gospel. He's trying to make sure that he doesn't. And so there's lots, lots of motivations here. Maybe he is, uh, he is, uh, he's gaining from this. He might be one of his uh, uh, servants or say, people that actually make a lot of money off of this proconsul. So he's not interested in him becoming a believer. So he tries to stop them from hearing, from hearing the word of God. Um so we have this instance there uh in nine where where Saul and then he's changed. there his name changes his name changes right there to Saul who was also called Paul and then the rest of the Bible he is called uh Paul. Uh except the times where he looks back on his life. So now from now on he's gonna be called Paul. He's filled with the Holy Spirit and looks intently at this false prophet. And he says to him, you son of the devil, enemy of all righteousness, full of deceit, villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight path of the Lord? And he says what God's going to do. Behold, the hand of the Lord is on you, and you will be blind for a time. And I had this this dialogue of like, well, if you're skeptical about like what God can do and what he's allowed to do, it's like, I knew it. I said it last time. God is evil and he does bad things and he makes this man blind. By Jesus, he was just being culturally diverse and using his free speech and now God is punishing him. Punishing him. Well, you can take those opposing views, but, but if we look at the text, uh, he wasn't. <laughs> just being culturally diverse, he was a Jew and he had rejected Judaism and he wasn't looking for the Messiah. He was just actually really just serving himself. Maybe also today, sometimes when people talk about free speech or they talk about free this or free that, they don't really want it free. They just want what they want. So we have to look in our hearts like, when I want something different than God says, am I just wanting it my way? Is it? Am I even motivated by greed? Power? And just looking at the text, like, Paul's very clear. He calls him a son of the devil. Full of lies and deceit and you're distorting things so people can't hear the good news of the gospel. He's working for the devil and that needs to get stopped. From being proud and arrogant, he has to now, because he is blind, as gone. He has to lead, humble himself to have people lead him by the hand. When you look in the Bible, there might be many things you don't think God should do. And I think I've talked about this before, but but who are you to make those calls? If you think you're smarter and clever than God, you make yourself God. And Romans talks about we couldn't even judge one another correctly. Then how can we have the capacity to judge God? Now we've all chosen to rebel against God and gone our own way and worshiped ourselves and other things. And that's why Jesus, like, he asks like, us, he again, he asks us daily to give up our lives and follow him. Because he knows it's hard. He knows, like, it's hard to give up ourselves, our own wills, to follow him. But the thing is that even when we were in darkness and sin, God provided Jesus and his salvation and in dying on the cross for our sins so that we wouldn't get the judgment of God. And, and like you, you saw, the interesting thing is with, with Saul is that this is exactly what happened to him. He was blinded, but he turned and repented to God. We see other things where people are like, oh, that's unfair. You know, Lot's wife, she turns into a pillow of salt. Zacharias, he is made mute for nine months because he doesn't believe the promise of God. And one people would be very skeptical as if they actually knew the Bible would be the one who is born blind and lame so that Jesus could glorify God by healing him. There's a lot of things about our life we don't understand. There's a lot of things about God we don't understand pretty sure that the solution is not that we become God and judge God but that we try to listen and knowing that we all go astray this way it's hard to just trust people who say they know better when they don't know what to point to because we can look at when we look at the cross of Christ I don't believe that you come up with something that's better than that. Because when you were in darkness and sin, long before even you, God made a way for us to be reconciled so we wouldn't have the wrath of God upon us. But Jesus took that wrath. Nothing more loving and caring can come up with that. So we have to look at our hearts and say, am I a lot more like Bar, bar Jesus than I am, the church in Antioch who followed the Holy Spirit. Oh, are, are we willing to give up our comforts to actually follow Jesus and not just do what we want, rely on our a position or money, a status? This messenger is called the son of the devil. Uh, He's trying to keep the good news from Sardis Paul. The very words that's true life. Yes, God does oppose the devil. Of course he does. He destroys evil. And you might object, oh, but there's so much evil. Yeah, and maybe you should be happy about that because when you look in the mirror... Be glad that God hasn't dealt with all as they deserve. Because then the person in the mirror would also have the wrath of God in eternity in hell. But Peter writes that God is patient, not wanting people to perish. He's the one who provides Jesus for us, that we can be reconciled to God. And this is one of the verses that I've used many times, Second Corinthians 5, um, 17. And uh, you can go there if it's too small on your screen because it's too small. <laughs> it's too small on mine, so I'll go there and I'll read it for us. Um, so we have to look at ourselves, and it's like, and uh, I mean, we're in good company because <laughs> when Peter wanted things to go differently. Jesus points to Peter and says, "Get behind me, Satan. You're not setting though, your mind on the things that are above but the things on earth when Peter tried to alter uh, the mission of um, of Jesus it's from second Corinthians five seventeen um, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and this is our mission, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And here is the beauty and the beautiful gospel. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So... So today's twelve verses. How do we hold people? Um, do we hold people? Um, do we hold people too tightly, and we don't want to set them free to do what God has for them? Um, so we hold, do we seek even with people? What is that the Holy Spirit has for you? What is it that you? are going to do? Are you gonna be a fantastic engineer? Are you gonna go there, you're gonna do this? Praying that God does that in each of us. So is your heart okay with that? <laughs> First question. Are you a son of the devil? Have you been redeemed by God? Have you trusted in Jesus? Turn back from You evil ways repented, believed that what I just told you is true, that him who knew no sin became sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God. The gospel that God has provided for us so we don't pay the penalty for our rebellion and sin. Do you deny yourself every day and follow God, or do we live for ourselves, or are we a son of, daughter of the devil? Do we take time to pray? And I was in this course, not just, you know, top level prayers, but sometimes getting deeper below to really to really from the depths of our heart cry out to the things that are in us and for us. We're in desperate situations we cry out desperately to God. Do we do that in prayer? Do you worship and serve God? From a deep place in your heart. Not just on Sunday, but in every day of your life. And what about fasting? Is there a time to give up even good things to get closer to something better not to punish yourself or anything but to to draw closer somehow even physically. And the last last question do we cry out to people to be saved? We are ambassadors if we are believers. Do we love God and people so much that we have a deep cry in our hearts that people will be reconciled to God? Do we love and honor God and our job as an ambassador as we call out to him? These were the encouraging things I had for us today. I pray that you were encouraged with that. Um, and of course, like comments, questions, things you want us to pray for uh I set the email wrong last time uh it is pastor at Cornelia. nope yep past slash al dot t k if i don't say it correctly, it's reverse, but, um <laughs> I hope it is the right one. Is it the right one up there? All right. all right, but uh, let's pray together um, for this. Heaven, Father, almighty God, Lord of all creation, Lord of heaven's armies, Lord, we thank you. I thank you for the privilege to study your word. Thank you for all the people that I know is praying for me. Thank you, Jesus, that you're praying for me. You're interceding for me, for us. Lord, I ask as we have the scriptures read us, I ask that you lay our hearts bare before you, that you show us the things that need to come out, and Holy Spirit, you help us to take those things out, that those things would die to sin, and we would be alive to you, Jesus. In Jesus, I just ask so much that you would help us to see that the abundant life is you is to take up our cross daily, deny ourselves, and not trust ourselves, but trust you and your true life in you. I pray you would help us to do that with your grace and your mercy and that we will see you even more wonderful, merciful grace, full of grace, Holy, I pray our love would grow for you because we understand you better and better. And Lord, I ask as you do that, you would help our love to grow for our fellow people, our neighbors and the people around us in this place. That the love that we've experienced in you, Jesus, would continue to transform us so we want to reach out. We want to see more people be saved and loved, loved and walked with you. Walk with you. So we pray that you would do that in and through us. and pray for anybody just sitting out there being discouraged by anything. Lord, I ask that you, Holy Spirit, you meet them where they're at. Remind them about the power, mercy and the joy of the cross that is all through you, Jesus, that we can stand with you. We thank you, we praise you, and we honor your name. In Jesus' name, amen. And so you may uh, rise up for the benediction. And we'll take the one I really like from Hebrews. So let's receive the benediction. Now, may the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our oh Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may, may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you so much and wish you oh, amazing, blessed week.